You're listening to Life in the Trenches, relatable, faith-filled conversations about everyday life to encourage and connect. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this life together. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Sharp. So according to Wikipedia, as of May 2019, there were more than 500 hours of content uploaded to YouTube each minute and 1 billion hours of content being watched on YouTube every single day. I can only imagine how this has increased over the last year when the world was in lockdown. A teacher asked her third grade class what they wanted to be when they grew up. The most popular answer? You guessed it, YouTube star. I guess everyone wants to be seen and heard. My husband and I were having a conversation with our eldest daughter. Ever since she could talk, she's claimed that she's wanted to be a teacher. Lately, however, she's found a different interest and has become passionate about it. All we want for her is for her to gain an education and take the time to learn about herself. And if she keeps her eyes on Jesus, he will direct her path, no matter how lofty her dreams. See, when we make a choice or a decision, we never truly know if it's right. That's where our faith comes into play. I think there are signs, quirks, small moments in our childhood that show the world around us the uniqueness of who we are. There are little insights into what our passions and our purpose may be. When I myself was a child, I used to struggle with reading and writing. When I entered first grade, I was in a new school, and that particular teacher identified my lack of understanding and how far behind I was. I was unable to read anything, let alone write. But she invested her time in me, believing that I possessed the ability to learn. My talents for talking gave her an inkling that I didn't have a learning disorder. I just lacked the skills. So she worked with me tirelessly using a phonics program. And within six months, I was reading above my grade level. Then in those childhood years, I began to win poetry and writing contests, uh, district-wide speech contests. You know, I seemed to have a talent for words. I devoured books, especially ones that just told a story of somebody's life. I escaped into these stories, into the stories of other people. I dreamed of being a storyteller. And actually, I had a pull towards journalism. By my senior year of high school, I had done pretty well. And then the path took an abrupt turn. In my senior English class, we had an independent study project that was worth about 30 to 40% of our final grade. It was a long semester. We had the entire semester to write and produce a short story. I wrote and I wrote. It was a coming of age story about a young girl named Alulia Webster. The day we received our final grades and our papers were returned was a day that I'll never forget. My paper had comments and praise on nearly every paragraph. 
my mark near perfect. And as I turned the final page, there was a note attached to my paper. My English teacher had accused me of plagiarism. He didn't mince his words. I had an appointment to meet with administration, and if I was found guilty, I would fail, and it would affect my marks, my graduation, and my choices. I produced all of my rough work. I advocated for myself, and I said thank you to a former teacher who was brought in before administration and advocated for me as well. She believed I possessed the talent to write, and I didn't possess the talent or the maliciousness intent to rip off another person's work. I wrote a coming-of-age, heartbreaking tale of a lost and broken 17-year-old girl. My English teacher, who had accused me of the plagiarism, asked me how I managed to develop the concept. I was stunned. Are you blind? The story was about me. I am this 17-year-old girl. I left school that day even more broken than I was. The fatherless, abandoned little girl reemerged, and the lie was planted so firmly in my soul. Even when I try, no one will believe me. I will always have to prove myself. Sure enough, in my final creative writing class, the last semester before graduation, my teacher was so hard on me and my work. See, he lacked the ability to communicate to my soul, and I lacked the maturity to know the truth of his words. He was hard on me and hard on my work because he was trying to make me better at my craft. But the damage had already been done. I can only speak from the wisdom that my life experience has given me. But I think that when something like this happens to a person— when the enemy attempts to plant a lie to change the trajectory of one's life, one of two things can happen. You can become a statistic or a standout. See, a statistic believes the lie and the soul finds its identity within it. A standout rejects the lie and the soul finds its identity in the form of grit. One of the most popular and most quoted poems in history comes from the Victorian-era British poet William Ernest Henley. The poem is called Invictus, and the fourth stanza in the poem says this, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. When Henley was 16 years old, his left leg required amputation due to complications from tuberculosis. After seeking treatment for problems with his other leg, he was told that it would require a similar procedure. Instead, he chose to travel to Edinburgh to be in the care of a surgeon who would be able to save his remaining leg after multiple surgical interventions. While recovering in the hospital, he was moved to write the verses that became the poem Invictus. The poem itself is about self-discipline and grit. It's most known for its themes of willpower and strength in the face of adversity. Those who've taken the time to analyze it have also taken notice of religious themes, or the lack thereof, that exists within it. 
there's an agreement that much of the dark descriptions in the opening lines make reference to hell. Later, the fourth stanza of the poem alludes to a phrase from the King James Bible, which says in Matthew 7, 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Despite Henley's outward stance of determination and courage, saying that I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, he was actually a worried man. And in a letter to a close friend, Henley confided that he was full of fear and actually afraid for his fate. Well, shortly after this circumstance in my senior year unfolded in my life, I was presented with an opportunity. It was a paid scholarship of my tuition at a university across the country where I would study my dream of writing and journalism. But I needed to find the grit to finish well and begin the application process. But I was full of fear and I was afraid for my fate. 18-year-olds are still children. Scientists and psychologists have proven that the frontal lobe of the brain, where decision-making and reasoning are formed, doesn't finish growing and developing until the age of 25. So what does this mean? It means I became a statistic. I ended up at a community college and working in a field that I was pretty good at but it was far from my passion or my purpose. Fast forward several years, I gave my life over to faith instead of fear. Motherhood had all consumed me and I felt compelled to pursue my passion. Many have said the words to me, but look, God has redeemed your dream. You're a writer. Well, redeemed my dream, yes, and no. I decided my passion project was going to be to start a blog. Blogging was pretty new on the market at the time. Uh, It's only been around within the last decade where it's really taken off. So I decided that I was going to go on a journey, a spiritual journey, for 365 days. I was going to write every single day about where I saw God that day how I, as the fatherless daughter, was able to put my identity in him and not in my fears. What's interesting is the first three months of my writing was the most narcissistic dribble anyone could have ever written, let alone read. And I had to confront that lie. What seemed like An ordinary morning, I was drinking my coffee at the kitchen table. My husband came and sat down with me. I had long shoved that memory, that teacher, that pinnacle in my life journey into the back of my mind. I stuffed it so deep down inside, I never thought of it again until the moment I had to confront it. I believed the lie that I was never going to be good enough. My writing wasn't worth it, and I would always have to prove my worth to the world. But I confronted it. I confronted the lie, and I decided if I was going to give myself to faith over fear, I had to live like it. My writing changed that day, 
and I began to write for an audience of one. What's interesting with my blog is no one ever commented on it. I continued on the journey. I had to find the grit. God gave me the grit that wasn't natural to me, but he gave it to me every single day to go on that journey and to write. I was writing for him and him alone. If I had been writing for the audience, it would have changed the way that I wrote. So I never really did anything about it. I just put it on my little corner of the internet. When all was said and done and I had reached the end of the project, someone reached out to me and said, you know, you've written a book. Then when we did the Google Analytics on the blog, we realized that over 6,000 people out of curiosity had joined me in reading along with my journey every day. You know, there's enough motivational speakers in the world who fill auditoriums and stadiums with their messages, encouraging people to find the grit within them and lead an authentic life in their purpose. Some of them even pepper just enough Christianese into their messages to satisfy the moral and not offend the masses. It's appealing. But behind closed doors, they struggle with their truth because somewhere in life they bought the lie and they still haven't confronted it. Girl, you took your eyes off Jesus. If you look at my bio now, my list of credentials given to me to make my message palatable to the world looks pretty impressive on paper. I've been given more opportunities than I deserve. What people see are all the successes behind my name. What they don't see are all of the failures that got me here. And I can tell you that that list is three times as long. Maybe you're asking, what is my purpose? Our purpose can be found anywhere and in everything. It's never too late to find our purpose and live in it. See, our passion is our talent and abilities that come naturally to us. Our productivity is our personal investment into something that we value. When we can take our passion and collide it with our productivity, we can operate in our purpose. Let me finish with this. I think that in order for us to do this, we need to have a teachable spirit. We have to accept the consequences of the decisions and choices that we've made. We need to give ourselves over to faith instead of our fear. And we need to ask Jesus for a refund on the lies we bought when we were afraid of the future. Thanks for listening today. I hope that you find the spark of your passion and you can start chasing after it.